Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. The Sanctuary, you're listening to DC Radio 96.3, HD4, and DCRadio.gov. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and we are talking about one of my favorite topics. We're talking about spirituality and femininity and leadership in a mind, body, spirit kind of way. So in the sanctuary with me, I'm so blessed to have Dr. Anika Wilson-Brown, who is uh, a spiritual leader and a mental health advocate. She is also a storyteller who is committed to bringing awareness and healing in the areas of intergenerational, racial, and religious trauma. Yes. So welcome to the sanctuary. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for having an awareness to bring awareness about intergenerational racial and religious trauma, because I think that um, people don't talk about it enough. Oh, absolutely. And and many people have been traumatized. Yes. So I wanted to um, just talk about how you got to knowing that that is important to bring. So I want them, I want you to give the listeners your history. Okay. And then talk about how you got to that because I have a story, my own story that I want to share about that. Absolutely. So hello to everybody and thank you for having me, Wendy. Absolutely. I'm so happy to be here. So how did I get to the realization that this was something that needed to be addressed? Yes. uh, Is through my study of um, practice of psychology. And taking courses Um, in college. I wanted to be a therapist. I wanted to be a counselor. And I just realized that there were many issues that were not really being attended to from a racial perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And that awareness, I think, came from, you know, having parents who uh, were very pro-black, you know, and and emphasized this this black pride and African culture. Uh, And so then to be studying a discipline that I felt uh, left that component out just made me Mm. very, very interested in figuring out you know, why uh, it is different in a lot of ways for for black folks and, and our understanding of what it is to be whole, our mm-hmm. experiences with therapy and counseling and so forth. So it intrigued and piqued my interest. Okay. And um, I began to delve into really exploring the topic from there. Okay. So yeah. that's awesome. Um, so we were, t- we're t- leading with the, a traumatic experience. So for me... I raised myself in mm-hmm. the spiritual system of Christianity. Uh-huh. My mom did not go to church, right? but my grandparents went. Mm-hmm. So I'm from Jersey, and so I'm in Jersey all the time, except right. for in the summers. So in the summers, we go to church with grandma and granddaddy, yeah. right? And so I loved the music. Mm-hmm. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the little old ladies that would shout, and we used to laugh and see who was going to yes. toss off their wig. I mean... <laughs> 
That's what we did, right? Right, right. We were there all the time, mm-hmm. and my grandmother was not playing. Yeah. So we every Sunday, and then sometimes during the week, depending on what their meetings were, and then we'd go home, and mm-hmm. we didn't go. And right. I didn't really mind it. I mean, it was what it was, but by the time I got into the fifth grade, I was feeling a need to go on my own. Mm. And so we had a new pastor that came to our um, to our city, and he rallied up all the kids, yeah. and he would even drive us. So that was to key. Make sure you got so there. I went there from fifth grade to I graduated high school, mm-hmm. and he was, he was like my dad. Yeah, he had this big booming voice. He was from the streets mm-hmm. of Philadelphia. He wanted everybody to know he was from North Philly, <laughs> but he had like this baritone voice, and he dressed up with like a hat to the side. He had like that Fred Flintstone like afro with like the part on the part. side. <laughs> he was just really cool to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then by the time I got so like when I was leaving to go to college, the day that I was leaving, the church had a festival and he walked me to my car. I went to go say bye to everybody. Mm-hmm. And he said, don't take no wooden nick- nickels from no niggas. That's mm. what my pastor told me. <laughs> so I'm like, love them. I love them, right? That's awesome. <laughs> so then I get to church, get, get to college and I find another church. Yeah. By senior year, the pastor was calling me and telling me how pretty I was sitting out in the pew. Whoa. Right? And and at first it was real subtle. Mm-hmm. It was just like, hey, Sister Cherry. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, what, 19, 20? Yeah. And he was a big pastor in the small town. I went to school in Virginia, in college, at Virginia State. So he was from that city. And so... Over the course of the time, it was so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. He would call at 7 o'clock in the morning. Now, this was before cell phones, so this is my whole house phone is ringing. Right. My roommates are like, yo, what's good? Yeah. Right? And then when I said, please don't call me anymore, after like two weeks, then he got his armor bearer to start calling me. Whoa. Who was like a, a little young guy. Uh-huh. You know, so the camel, the, the straw that broke the camel's back was I, I was so mortified. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, no, nah, I can't go to church because he's looking at me. Right. You know. And so I um, asked him not to call. And then I think the last time he called, my roommate answered the phone and she gave him some words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So graduated, came home, and then I'm in Jersey, and I'm at my church that I went to in Jersey, and he's going to be a guest. Oh, no. So I go to the women, the woman who was on leadership, mm-hmm. and she did nothing. Mm-hmm. I told her. I had never, I, my roommates knew. I never told my mother. Right. I, I told people who I was close with, you know, but kids. We all yeah. like kids, 21. And so... I got there and she said, I, I like knew that something was gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I knew somebody was gonna get him. Right. Nothing. Nothing. So trauma. Trauma. And I was I was traumatized and I was mad. Yeah. Because I was like, all the gloves are off because you're here with these collegiates and you're like you're supposed to be our safe place away from home. We were supposed to be like the special ones, right? Right. right. We're the ones who weren't doing the sex, drugs, and rock mm-hmm. and roll is, is what it was supposed to be. Right. And you're telling us all these things, and then you do this. So it came out that I wasn't. Of course, I wasn't the only one right. because of the ease at which he did it. He just did it so easily. Oh yeah, it was familiar for him. So. Mm-hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. after that, I knew that it wasn't everybody because yeah. I had my pastor from home, you know, who was a model, who was like my dad, who was a model. But I, that was when my side eyeing of the third eye yes. <laughs> began. Yes. So you're talking about trauma. Talk about from growing up in a popular church here in Washington, D.C., Union Temple Baptist mm-hmm. Church, yeah. how you have seen trauma show up. Oh, wow. I think the first place I see trauma show up is in just my own personal experience as far as being a PK and mm. having preacher's a kid. preacher's kid, PK. preacher's kid, mm-hmm. and, you know, growing up in somewhat of a fishbowl mm-hmm. where you're held to these standards. Mm-hmm. Not It didn't come from my parents. Right. But it came from the environment. It came from the church culture yes. where I felt held to a standard that others were not held to and mm. that there were people who were mean to me and I didn't have a, a right or a voice to express that pain uh, because I had to be the preacher's kid. I had to be the good girl. I had to, you know, and that's when you begin to negatively look at these words like forgiveness and, you know, because it's like, okay, so I can forgive them, but does it mean I don't have a right to be treated fairly? Right. You know, so those kind of experiences cultivated like a silence within me where I would not speak up. Wow. um, Where I would be hurt, but I wouldn't acknowledge the hurt. Okay. um, Where I would be disappointed, but uh, I would not fully allow myself to feel it. Right. So that was that was on a personal level. And then I saw it uh, with my friends where I had some friends who um, were got pregnant when we were teenagers Mm -hmm. and how the church rejected them and how the church treated them. So I had these parents that were cultivating this um, pride and love and protection around these girls. My mom, she created a group for all the teen pregnant girls. And she she, uh, told uh, the people in church. You all need to love them. You need to treat them no differently. But I saw the difference. I saw that in this place that where, you know, you would expect that everybody is accepted and loved and valued, that there Mm -hmm. were these contradictory messages Mm -hmm. that I was receiving Mm -hmm. um, from what I was feeling, from what I would hear from my parents, and then from what I would see sometimes from the larger church body. So it created a conflict, which was traumatizing for me. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. To have to, you know, live in that space, grow in that space. Um, And that was our life. Like you said, all day, it wasn't just summer for us. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) But all day, it was different then where you have revivals on school nights and you're doing your homeworks on the pew. And, you know, so um, that was the experience for me. So let's talk about even the history of Union Temple Baptist Church. So now your dad, uh, Reverend Willie Wilson, Mm -hmm. is retiring. He is. And it's been a big thing in the media here in Washington, D.C. Yes. He just had a big gala. Mm -hmm. Um, Louis Farrakhan is one of his friends. Yes. And so let's talk about, like, how that was growing up. Yes. So that speaks to the differences I saw, too, because my Mm -hmm. father, my mother were very loving, Mm -hmm. accepting. Mm -hmm. I realized very early that that their version of faith was different from a lot of people surrounding us. Hmm. So I saw them be rejected for who they stood up for. Okay. Uh, my father was one of the first that stood up uh, to the Baptist convention and said that women should be able to preach. Wow. And he got put out 
of oh. uh, <laughs> for making that stand. Um, I saw how, you know, other religious institutions, they're more advanced now, but back then when we invited Farrakhan, mm-hmm. you know, how they would reject him and talk sure. about him and, you know, call him all kinds of names. Um, I saw um, how firmly both of my parents spoke out against um, racism and different acts uh, of violence in the city. Okay. And um, their activism really spoke to me and I saw that it was a little different from some of the other places that mm-hmm. I experienced as church. So I automatically saw myself as weird, okay. different, okay. Um, that I would not be accepted or received because I saw that that was their experience a lot of times. Wow. That standing up, standing out and doing what we say Jesus actually did in ministry. Right. Speaking out for the oppressed, standing right. up for those who are overlooked, you know, going to see about those who others have forgotten mm-hmm. was the very thing that I think that my parents throughout history were often rejected for. But it also was the thing that set them apart. Right. And, you know, created this culture, this legacy of what we call Union Temple, which has a strong, strong history and legacy within the community because of those very things. So now, how did your parents get to that? You know, um, they often, my father often tells the story of being on Howard University's campus. Okay. And how it was like the bougie school back then. You know, all of the elites, <laughs> all of the elite blacks uh-huh. <laughs> were there back then when he went. Okay. Uh, and he talked about how he was there, um, but he wasn't allowed, they weren't allowed to preach. Okay. From a African perspective, they weren't allowed to sing huh. gospel music, the kind that you felt when you yeah. went to the church. Yep. They were teaching them a different kind of uh, worship experience that, you know, really was a, a hijack of the culture. Of course. And so his uh, vibrancy and passion for black folks caused him and many others on the campus to really rebel oh, wow. against what they were talking, what they were teaching, oh, wow. and um, caused them to push up against that. Uh, and so they had many protests where he tells of one experience where they went out on the lawn and the choir sang gospel music <laughs> and he preached a, a sermon from African tradition with his dashiki on and his oh, afro wow. and just how powerful that experience was. So that activism, I think, really began for him there. Wow. Where, um, uh, he, within himself, knew that his version of what it meant to be a Christian was going to be a lot different uh, from what others are talking and espousing. Okay. So, yeah, his version of Christianity is different. Yeah. So from your experience, what is that? Yeah. What does that look like? Because... Like, if you go to the church, or anybody who has not been, if you go to Union Temple, you walk in, and first of all, you see this beautiful mur- mural, mm-hmm. and it has, like... Uh, oh, Maya Angelou. Yeah. Uh, Black Jesus is the center right. of it. You know, Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass, and, yeah. you know, all of these prolific leaders in the depiction of the, of the Last Supper. Right. Yes. Right. So... Yes. For somebody who walks in... So your parishioners, or the congregants... They had to kind of have that mindset, too. Oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. And it's always been that way. Uh, We used to be in a smaller building, a red brick building, and we had a black Jesus on the wall there. Okay. And when we moved into the new building, uh, there was a poll amongst the membership as who are the most prolific African-American 
leaders that we would like to embed in the consciousness of black folks that come in here. Wow. Because the image of white Jesus, mm-hmm. who we know is is blonde, haired, blue-eyed depiction that you often see over grandma's table, right. you know, <laughs> in the dining room, right. you know, it is very different from... <laughs> <laughs> My grandma had that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that, often when people think about Jesus, that's the image that pops in their head. Isn't that like Leonardo da Vinci's cousin? Sis girl cousin that he used to pose for that. <gasps> oh, my goodness. <laughs> yes, yes, to to actually create that artwork. Wow. That's who he used as a model. Um, but that's the image that comes in our mind when right. we, you know, think about, you know, subconsciously. And so that image was important to shift the consciousness of, of people and, 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 and create a sense of pride Absolutely. and connection to Jesus, the Christ. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like a, maybe about a, a week or two, three ago, on your Facebook page, mm-hmm. you wrote, uh, this quote and yeah. I was like ah here's the here's the topic yeah. one of the topics yes you said the religion that has initiated your bondage is not the same religion that will liberate you oh yeah what did you mean by that oh buddy we about to get good let's get now. it because <laughs> this is the sanctuary yes, right yes and yes. so that's where we go in uh-huh uh-huh we, we, like I call it like it's real woo woo we get real energetic and yes and spiritual, yes. but we also keep it real. Keep it real. Keep so, it real. So that version of Christianity that it has created bondage for us is a is a whitewashed mm-hmm. Christianity. It's it's the one that we have been given. Right. Um, that is actually um, part of creating our powerlessness, mm-hmm. our bondage, and submission. Absolutely. You know, and so. That is the faith that many of us are often introduced uh-huh. to Jesus yeah. through, right? Mm-hmm. It's this uh, came down from your grandma and your great grand, and it passes down, so it holds a special place in us. So it's hard to let it go, but there, there comes a point in your own evolution right. where you have to begin to uh, dissect these things that you've been told Absolutely. and reevaluate them and 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 look at them from different angles for yourself, right? Right, so that you can have a God of your own understanding and. Part of that process means that I have to let go of those things that actually don't serve me. Right. That I have to release those things that are actually creating bondage. Right. You know, and, and so that's I, revolutionary. That's revolutionary. Because people are afraid. Absolutely. I think people are afraid to do that, but yeah. I also think they feel like they may need permission to do it. Yeah. And you don't need permission. You don't need permission. Yeah, but but you've been taught you're not supposed to. Yeah. You've been taught you shouldn't question. That's God. right. Well, who else do I question? Right. If I don't understand, you know? Uh, and so that is not just something that we believe. I think that is something that religion has intentionally uh, taught us mm-hmm. so that we don't question certain things. Right. You know, and so that we stay in this place of subserviency. Right. Right. Because I always say, even as I work with counseling uh, uh, clients, my goal is really to work myself out of a job. Yeah. So you don't need anybody. So that you don't ther- need yeah. anybody. Nobody and so, needs the therapy yes, at that point. Yes, absolutely. So if the, if the church operates from that framework, mm-hmm. then that means that the church is actually supposed to develop and grow people. Yeah. You know, so that they are not dependent on this institution for for everything, you know, right. but that, that they have relationship and they've cultivated an awareness that allows them to be empowered. Right. To know the God within themselves. Right. Yeah. 
So when I was growing up in Jersey in the 80s, um, there was this a group called the 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 five percent nation Mm -hmm. and they were the gods and the queens and the earths right and they said you are a god yeah and you are a goddess oh yeah now they didn't for me for wendy specifically they didn't like give that message to me on a silver platter where i felt comfortable because i still always had my grandmother Mm -hmm. in virginia her going and my mom didn't go to church. Right. So my grandma said my grandma my my grandmother said my mom was going to hell. She told mm. us that. Mm. She told us that. That's traumatizing. Yeah. She told us that. Yeah. So from being a little kid going and then getting into my church in New Jersey, I always tried to get my mom to go. And she just had her own trauma. Mm-hmm. She ain't want to go. Right. You know, not that she doesn't have her own spiritual um, connection. She just did not want to go. go. But I was so petrified that something was going to happen to my mom. Yes. And so my boyfriend at the time in high school said, you're because my mom is the bomb. Mm -hmm. She's loving. She's caring. She's giving. She's sweet. Mm -hmm. She loves to expose us to things. And he was like, do you really think she's going to hell? Right. That's that question. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. no. Right. Right. So it it just, I think I lost my train of thought, but it just was, I started to question. So for myself, probably like, and my hair is seven years, seven years old. I have locks for those who can't see me. I have locks. They're seven years old. And I swear it really did. My eyes started to open when I grew them. Mm-hmm. People say that that happens to them. People say it's woo-woo, but you know, if you're oh, yeah, in the yeah. sanctuary, then we talking woo stuff. <laughs> and so I first was introduced to 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 maybe something else from the gods mm-hmm. at home mm-hmm. in the 80s, right? Yeah. And then I go to college and then I'm totally in it. Yeah. And then I come home and then I'm evolving and going through life and trying to be this good, good, good Christian girl. And it ain't nothing wrong with being a good Christian girl, but right. I'm also a I'm all the way in or I'm all the way out. Right. So for me, that's rigidity. Mm-hmm. So I became very rigid. Yeah. And then very um, like, not you know, condemning because that's what I was told. Right. The little girls who are pregnant, they are X, Y, Z, you know? And so you have almost, like we were taught as as young people in college in the gospel choir and all these things that we were elite. Oh yeah. We were better then. And somebody keeps telling you that, then you really start to believe believe it. it. Yeah. And so only, you know, seven or eight years ago, could have even been 10 years ago, I started asking for wisdom mm-hmm. because I went to jail. Yeah. And I thought I would never go to jail. Mm-hmm. I'd seen people around me go to jail, but not me and my mother. Right. And my daughter, who was nine at the time. So I was pissed. Yeah. So then I come to church and they say, pray about it. So now at that point, I'm ready to choke mm-hmm. somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm like, pray about it. Do you know they just put me in jail? Like, right. you know, and so then I just was like, there has to be more. Absolutely. There has to be something different. And then I just became angry because I'm like, this happened, but then maybe like 
six months later, Mike Brown happened. Mm-hmm. And then and then the flurry, because then we have social media. Now we know in this community has always happened. Yes. But now because we have the internet and Facebook Live and all that, we saw it more. And it. so now everybody's talking about it. And so now I'm even more traumatized, but I, now I'm galvanized within myself. I like was just like, we need a revolution. I'm yeah. wanting to march with everybody else. Then I came to realize that the revolution is internal. It is. It is. I had to do my own work. Yes. So then I became a seeker. Mm-hmm. And then I started traveling and reading and and connecting with other spiritual systems just to see what they were talking about. Yeah. You know, um, went and studied, you know, I studied comedic, mm-hmm. you know, um, science and then went to Egypt on my own, you know, I uh, went to Kemet with Tony Browder and got to see the pyramids and the writings on the walls from yes. my own eyes. Yeah. Not because my grandmother said so. Right. I saw it for myself. And then I read the books. And then I studied some of the other master teachers who were just on YouTube because mm-hmm. they did. So yeah. they're on YouTube. And then I read some of their books. Yes. And then, you know, I went to Cuba and studied the Orisha and studied yoga. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, there is more. Absolutely. And there is something that I can do. Um, to make myself feel better and not just wait till somebody in the sky come comes back, back to save right. me and then I can enjoy my life. Absolutely. I'm supposed to be enjoying my life right oh, now. Yes. yes. So you are going to be taken over mm-hmm. for your dad in April. Yes. And so a new so it's one of those things where in church they say putting new wine in new wine skins mm-hmm. how are you prepared to do that and to to give that message in this time yeah because it's so crazy oh yeah things are just so crazy right now and people are stressed out and we're going to talk about the trauma yeah because you're a psychologist mm-hmm. and you are a, a leader and so you see those people and you have to counsel those people yes what is going to be the message for 2020 which is even a whole nother decade absolutely energetically too yes it's a whole new thing energetically, coming energetically yeah. absolutely but it's a powerful time like you said it is a tumultuous time it is where things are shifting rapidly but it's also a, it's a time of awakening Absolutely. It's a time where people are doing that. I love your path and your process because it speaks to that process of ascension that we all must go through. Yeah. You know, learning, exploring. You know, it is only a Eurocentric perspective that says these different things are separated. Mm-hmm. From from an Afrocentric cosmology, mm-hmm. there is no separation. Mm-hmm. It's also life. and. It is it's and it's, both. It is both and. Where they are... Black and white, absolutely. My way or the highway, absolutely. So, my, so I can balance I my chakras. I can balance my chakras. I can speak in tongues. I can shout in church. I can go to yoga. Yes. I can, you know, I can experience the full uh, spectrum yeah. of what I am c- being called to. Right, and so so the mm. church that is now is not the church that was because mm-hmm. um, the church that I lead will allow people to evolve okay. in their process to explore their own Christology, which is the okay. Christ that is within them. Okay, right their their own path, knowing as you said, the five percent is saying that God is within you. <laughs> Right, they, they say black man is God, but I didn't even go all the way there. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And, you know, knowing that, accessing that, tapping into that yeah. is, is about being open. 
is about being willing to explore. Um, the class my father is teaching right now is a class on world religions. Okay. And the premise of that class is that I'm not a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus because there's a distinction between the two. Okay. Right? So Christianity, as you see it, is very confined. It is very limiting. Mm-hmm. It does not allow you to see the wealth and value in other religions. But but the yeah. fo- a follower of Jesus is one that, that when Jesus saw other people that were doing other things other than he said, are the people getting healed? Okay. You know, are they getting well? Well, leave those people be. Okay. You know, when you, when you talked about uh, she she's a, a prostitute, you shouldn't let her around. He said, let her be. Yeah. You know, so so there was a different approach that we don't see it necessarily reflect, reflected mm-hmm. in traditional Christianity. And okay. this is this is how we can walk in that space and be the both and. I love that. Yeah. Okay. I even had my own aha moment for that. Okay. Yeah. Um. So. When I went to Africa, mm-hmm. I went to West and East Africa. Yes. Um, I traced my my own DNA through African ancestry okay. in 07, and then I went in 2015 to Cameroon. When I walked there, I had never seen so many white Jesuses in my oh life. Oh, my goodness. I was in shock. Yes. I had no clue. Uh-huh. Like, we went to a, we went to one of the Congress people's homes mm-hmm. on his property, on his compound. They're like, almost like the one in Brazil. Yes. That big old. So, I'm thinking like, the the intergen what is it what did you call it intergenerational oh, that's yes. passed down to us passed down. and so colonization is super deep oh yes and it's on purpose yeah because it's it it allows us it disallows us to see our who we are really mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. when I was starting to have those shingles come off my eyes and starting to awaken I felt so empowered. Yeah. And I heard the gods in my ear going, the black man is God. Mm -hmm. And then I'm thinking, I am a goddess. And not in a way that there is no creator. Of course, I I know there's a creator. But it just gave me, I felt so empowered, Mm -hmm. inspired, and then educated. Yes. And um, then I just moved differently. Mm -hmm. Like, I changed my whole life. And some people were side-eyeing me. Mm -hmm. My mom mom does like a half of a (laughs) side-eye, but she's like, do whatever you want to do. Yes. But like other family members and friends, I think they probably kind of sat back and were like, because they were used to me being the Mm. the rah-rah Christian, you know, whatever that was that I was raised in. But I like your approach to see the, you know, to be a follower of Jesus versus the um, rigidity that Christianity presents in a colonized lens. Yes. Yes. Because that's, I was, my grandmother was raised in a colonized lens. Yes. So, and it worked for her Mm -hmm. because she felt good whenever she prayed. She used to cry at church. She used to be, my cousin called it bug dancing and I would like get away from Uh her. It made her feel good. She cried all for the rest of the week and she sang the songs that they sang on Sunday Mm -hmm. the rest of the week. So that was her bomb. Yes. Yes. And whatever your bomb is, is all right with me. It's all right with me. If it works for you, then it works for me. That's right. So, but I do want to talk about, you know, it, it works for that generation, for mm-hmm. some in that generation. Right. So my some. mom is a is a um, is an elder, and it didn't work for her. It didn't work for her. But what we're coming up with now is that Pew Research, the Pew Research Center, says that 19 percent of blacks under 30 are mm-hmm. unaffiliated with a religion. Yes. There's there's plenty of articles that are saying that. 
millennials are leaving the black church specifically in droves uh-huh. because they're seeking something else. Yes. So how can you speak to that? This, what do you say yes, for that? This is that time time of awakening. It is time for the, the church to uh, be honest. I would say the black church to be honest about um, the experiences, you know, that have come out of the black church experience. Um the woundedness, mm. um, the brokenness. Mm-hmm. I think that when we see the mass exodus, it's people saying, I don't want nothing to do with that Jesus. If that's right. what, you know, right. if that's what this means, then I don't I don't want anything to do with it. I don't I don't want anything that's inauthentic. Right. I want you to be real with me. I want you to be honest with me. I want you to let me know that you struggle too. Right. This is this is a part of um my preaching process is being authentic right. is to um let people see who I am and mm-hmm. that I struggle like them and that it's okay to ask questions. Right. It's okay that you don't understand right. and, and, and allowing people that space. I think in the past, um, churches have given um, young people a high standard to live up to. Oh my gosh. One that most often the leaders are not even able to obtain themselves. Absolutely. And so how are we going to create disciples, those that are going to follow this process and live it out in their own lives? If what you're giving them to follow is false. Right. Because a lot of it goes against human nature. Absolutely. So your human nature, so then you suppress. Yes. So a lot of people who have been, you know, in specific spiritual systems that are very oppressive. Oppressive. Then it creates problems in the body. Absolutely. It creates sickness in the body. Yes. Absolutely. What happened to me? Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. It definitely happens. It happens in the in the body. It happens in the mind. So the, let's talk about the mind. Mm-hmm. So you are bringing, um, and many churches do this. Many churches are now having like ministries for uh, like um, grieving care and divorce care. And, yes. you know, uh, I remember there was like this big, huge thing where everybody had a ministry for AIDS mm-hmm. when that was really popular. Right. So now you're talking about integrating therapy and spiritual practices mm-hmm. into healing modalities. So talk about what that looks like for you. Yeah, um, that's, that's a good question. And it, t- it taps into um, the notion that we have this innate healing ability within us. Mm-hmm. There are things that we know. Um, yeah, grandma used to go out there and she'd be able to give you exactly what herb, what so you put an onion in your sock, right. you know, there were all right. of these things that she didn't learn in school, but right. you would feel better the next day. Yeah. Right. It was an inner knowing an, an inner intuitive knowing. knowing that I believe is a, a, a higher realm, spiritual understanding that was taken from us for a reason. Mm-hmm. And it was demonized and oftentimes uh, uh, connotated as witchcraft or the opposite of Christianity, mm-hmm. uh, which was an opportunity for us to um, take on someone else's way of being, mm-hmm. practicing, living, and behaving, mm-hmm. right? And cause us to walk away from many of the indigenous spiritual practices that actually give us life. Absolutely. You know, that that I know that when I go sit out in the sun, I'm not I'm not worshiping the sun, but right. the sun is blessing me. You know, they, it heals, they, uh, heals the me. Heals there, there are vitamins and right. all kind of nutrients that are, you know, and then mentally, like my whole body is restored. Mm-hmm. When I put my 
feet in the ground and take my shoes off. They call it you earthing. You know, earthing, right. grounding myself, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that, that I can still love Jesus and do these things. Right. <laughs> right. Right. It does not mean that um, there's a separation or right. that I have to put down one in order to pick up the other. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's about accepting the wholeness the totality mm-hmm. of who I am, mm-hmm. um, the African cosmology, we, we, we're, we're reclaiming. We are. We are going back to reclaim many of these things that have been taught. Oh, you're not supposed to burn no sage. What you mean? Right. What, what you anoint? And it's to say it's it's weird because yeah. that you'll anoint someone with with olive oil, right? But and and you're blessing them, right? And it's but I can't burn a, a sage, or right. you know that I can't um, take something and and spritz and bless my environment. But you will go and get some holy water and 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 use it as a part of your sacrament or your holy right. experience, you know. So in, in engaging those questions, reclaiming. You know, those things that we've put down and a lot of those practices that our grandparents honestly still practice, but back in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, they, they call don't... it back kitchen religion. Yeah. Where they would go to church, but they held on to many of those traditions. Mm-hmm. So we, we have to reclaim. I love that. And I'm all about trying to reclaim it. Yes. I definitely am. So even maybe September 2018, I think you came to my Autumn Equinox yes. event. Um, shout out to my girl, Rissy Cat, who hosted us. But we went to the water mm-hmm. and we did rituals and we talked about at this time it was fall. Yes. And we were talking about how it's time to start to gather the tools just like the other mammals and other animals do naturally. Naturally. They do it naturally to prepare for yes. the hibernation of the winter. Yeah. So if you think about it, it's cold, uh, right? Okay. It gets dark early. Mm-hmm. You only want to really be out and about when it's light. And then when it's dark, you really do naturally feel naturally. like you want to be home, bundled up, having some soup, drinking yes. some tea. That's a natural progression of a season. Mm-hmm. And so even uh, eleven eleven, people see it on the clock all the time, but that wasn't so far um, a way where people were celebrating the eleven eleven, the yeah. opening of the portal mm-hmm. for um, a new season. Right. Yesterday was a full moon, yes. and the energy lasts for three days. Mm-hmm. So we're still in that new that, that full moon energy, and animals. They react and respond in certain ways, and so do humans too. Because yes. hospitals and police departments are full. Oh yes, and teachers are ready to pop some kids uh-huh. because they're acting so crazy. Yes. I, I had a whole conversation about this yesterday mm-hmm. about with a teacher who was just like, "The kids are bugging." I'm like, "It's a full moon. It's a full moon." So we are going back to that. We are yeah. awakening. We're remembering. We're remembering. We're remembering. Yeah. So even my movement is the goddess awakening and healing. It's just because we've been asleep. We've been asleep. That's all. Yep. And yeah. so now it's time. Absolutely. And when you can awaken, you heal. Absolutely. Because you know different things to do. Yeah. To and heal. that awareness is powerful. Even when you talk about this changing in the seasons, mm-hmm. um, there is something called seasonal affective disorder. I have it. Sad. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is real. Yes. But it also is related to our unwillingness to obey the natural circadian rhythm. Of course. You know, of, of knowing. Listening to the body, Mm -hmm. knowing that this is time for me to prepare for hibernation. Mm -hmm. And so we look at that from a Eurocentric perspective and we say, oh, 
something's wrong with me. I don't feel like doing anything. All right. I want to do is lay down. All I want right. and you think you you put a negative connotation with that. Right. Well, awareness causes you to know, oh, this is I'm being called to stillness. Right. You know, so there are certain practices that I can put in place to cultivate this time. What should I be doing? Right. You know, wisdom, spiritual intuitiveness, Intu- sitting, yes. meditating, saying, what am I being called to do at this moment? Maybe I'm not supposed to be so busy right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's so crazy because it bumps right up against preparing for the holidays. holidays. You know, so you feel like you have to be the hustling and bustling, <laughs> you know, doing all of this thing. But the spirit is saying, be still, yeah. prepare for what's coming. Right. Rest. Right. You know, Eat, eat certain foods. You talked about that at, yeah. at, at your experience. There are certain foods you should be eating. There mm-hmm. are certain ways you should be spending your evenings, mm-hmm. spending time with your family, being still, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you'll begin to get through this season as it's supposed to naturally evolve. So from fourth grade, I had what they call sad, but in the 70s, it wasn't, there wasn't a diagnosis right, there, for yes. it. So I used to like dread daylight savings time uh-huh. when they switch those clocks back and it's only been so I want to even like retract what I said I said I have it no I don't have it because mm-hmm. now I have the tools Absolutely. and I have the awareness yes so just over the last few years I have been unwhite knuckling myself yes. when that daylight savings comes mm-hmm. and I just know that this is the natural cycle. Absolutely. So that was even why, part of why I did that event that time, because I felt like if I was feeling that mm-hmm. way, I wanted to help other people who may have been feeling that way. Yeah. And then I had um, a sister from the Blackberry Beauty Academy named Lisa Marie Goodson come on to the show. She lives in North Carolina. But she came on and she talked about how to gather the tools too. Yes. Um, how, what we should be doing. What does it look like? Exactly what you just said. It's time to rest. Mm-hmm. And actually... From an energetic perspective, the new year does not start January 1st. Uh-uh. It's uh-uh. at the spring equinox. Yes. That's when, and that's what like March, mm-hmm. you know, March timeframe. So that's just so they can get your money. Exactly. That's what that is. Hustle, bustle. You see all these commercials and everything. Yes, they just want you to spend your money because for many businesses, that's the end of their fiscal year. And they're trying to infuse as much cash into the economy as they can. That's what it is. So just know that. Uh huh. That's what it is. And it's so funny because I just wrote, before you said it, Uh ask myself. So one of my spiritual teachers named Aset Ayawaku told, she says to everybody, sit and ask spirit what you're supposed to do. Yes. What works for somebody else might not work for you. Absolutely. And so I am learning to do that because I used to be like the bandwagon Uh kind of chick. Like Like, I jump on that bandwagon and I just go (laughs) because that's how I was trained. Right. Right. And so now... My own, like I did eleven eleven rituals and things for myself. I had some some prompts, mm-hmm. but I made it my own. Make it your own, and it felt more natural than me. Like go do this, and then I'm just kind of like side eye, and I ain't really feel nothing. Yes, you know. Yes, and what you just spoke is really key to our own uh, spiritual evolution, right? Mm -hmm. And so religion would say to us that there is a standard practice and certain things everybody should be doing. Mm -hmm. They told you to pray about it. Well, that wasn't the solution for you. And so what happens is when somebody tells you pray about it and that don't help, you think something's wrong with you. Right. Or God's not listening. God's not listening. And then it also relates to this mental health stigma thing where you go, well, I'm sad. I'm upset. I prayed about it. Nothing changed. What's wrong with me? Right. That ties into that stigma that keeps many of us from seeking the support 
services and help that we need. So although I feel like church is a place where we gather collectively and corporately, but there has to be an individual and personalized spiritual practice that you develop and that you cultivate that helps you to be able to work through and navigate right. um, your own personal experience. So I love what, what your spiritual mentor said. So uh, you talk, we wanted to talk about erasing the religious and cultural stigma of therapy. How will you present that when you take on the leadership role? What will your, you know, do you call them congregants? What do you call them? Oh, I haven't decided what oh. I'm gonna call them. I okay. guess I can figure that out. Yeah, what 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 your, what your people's my folks? Yeah, what are they gonna <laughs> expect? What can they expect well, when they have been told for so long just pray about it? But now there might be some tools that absolutely. you're going to bring. Yeah, so there's two sides of that coin. The first part is I am transparent, mm-hmm. and in communicating, I have a therapist. Yeah. Oh, everybody needs Hello. one. Everybody, everybody needs, needs one. one. The same way you have a dentist yep. and a doctor. Yeah. I believe that everybody needs a therapist. Absolutely. So I'm transparent about that mm-hmm. and I communicate it regularly I put it in my sermons when I was in my, with my therapist yeah, yesterday she you. told yeah. me to, you know uh-huh. I am because I understand that repeating that is very important to removing that stigma that something is wrong with it right, right? at the same time I'm communicating that um, we have to uh, be aware that there are certain things within therapy that might not resonate with, resonate with us as African-American people. And so we have to vet out those that we work with. Because, for example, um, I can be diagnosed with anxiety because I am fearful for my son every day when he leaves the home, right? Mm-hmm. And so they might say I have general, general anxiety. Mm-hmm. They may say I need medication. But have they taken into consideration the cultural experience of what it means to be black? the reality of the experience that that my friend's son ain't come home last week you right. know and and so this is real this is not i am not fantasizing i am not imagining right. but this is my real life experience right, right. so Although we need to open ourselves up to therapy, we also need to open ourselves up to therapy, therapists that have cultural awareness. Absolutely. And therapists that are able to um, decolonize their practices in a sense. Absolutely. And will not lean so quickly to diagnoses. Yeah. uh, But are able to sit with you and work with you. Therapists who are able to merge the practices, like mm-hmm. we said, no mm-hmm. division, right, mm-hmm. of spirituality. You can't yes. work with black folks and not deal with their spirituality, right. their theology, how, right. why they think these things are happening right. in their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important that we're transparent, but we also vet out these processes and seek out people who are culturally aware. Now, that's your, like, colleague group. Are there many? I know there are some here in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. but across the nation, is that something that people are moving to? Or So I went to, maybe a few years ago, I went to uh, um, the Black Social Workers uh, Convention uh-huh. at the Harbor. So yeah. my mom was a social worker for like 30 plus years, and my niece is a new social worker. But when I went over there, they were all Afrocentric. Oh, yes. And I was like, yeah. hey, this... I'm so happy y'all are here. I love it. So for therapists, mm-hmm. are we moving that way or? Oh yeah, there, there, there's actually movement in that, that direction. I love the Black Psychologists okay. Association, the Black. So you know, okay. so you're seeing these things come forth. Mm-hmm. But again, you're you're gonna see people in those organizations that have the full spectrum. So some are like Black Power all the way. Don't go see nobody unless they Black. Yeah. You know. Th- then there's um, other. So you have that full spectrum of range. Yeah. You know. So again, you have to figure out where you 
can fit in yeah. and what works for what you. What works for you. And it's yeah. just like finding any other doctor. You might not like the first two you go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not sit well with you. Keep yeah. trying. And don't just leave from that, you know, one experience and say, that was awful. I'm never right. doing that again. Therapists are whack, you know. Right. Because you don't, <laughs> you don't do that when you go to other modalities. If it was your hairdresser, you, you would, would just d- go to the next one. You would go one. to the next one. Right. You would go to the next one. And so finding that fit is, is a big part of it. But people are becoming more aware um, and teaching from um, that perspective. There's one sister I, I follow named Dr. Jennifer. She's on Instagram. Okay. And her page is Decolonizing Therapy. Ooh. I love her work okay. uh, because she is a therapist too, but she talks about the importance, you know, of decolonizing the modalities that we use and the practices that we use and mm-hmm. just making sure that they're reflective of the African-American experience. It's so important. I've been to both. You know, I started out with a, a European one because you know you yeah. just think that's what you do yeah. but as I was able to make my own decisions I definitely feel and then studying myself being certified um, in integrative nutrition but then moving out to anything that nourishes and then having experiences working at an integrative doctor's office and just seeing how we just different yes you know what I'm saying yes. we're just different so our needs are different needs so are different. Do, do you know Dr. Patricia Newton I don't. Yes. So Dr. Patricia Newton came on the show and we talked about PTSD. Mm -hmm. Some people used to say, um, well, the the normal terminology is post-traumatic stress disorder, right? right? So they call it post-traumatic slavery disorder. But now she has changed it to persistent Mm. slavery because it's happening still. Oh, yes. Don't think it's in the past. Right. Everything that's happening right now is still Mm -hmm. a trigger for those things. So Mm -hmm. it is very, very, very important if, you know, nobody gets, you're going to get lots of this, of course, from this, of course. But if you don't hear anything else, therapy, whether you're a man or a woman, a child, we all need it because Mm -hmm. also the internet and the connection and the electromagnetic frequencies and the poor food and water and the air and the sitting in the traffic, that all causes stress on the body, which then can cause mental illness. It's all encompassing. All encompassing. So I don't want you to to get away from that, but I definitely want you to I want you to connect with Dr. I would Newton, love to. Because even if you're having some events that are coming yes. up, invite her to come. Oh, I would love She's to. amazing. She's right in Baltimore. Okay. She's amazing. Okay, good. Um, so I love the decolonization of everything. Everything. But definitely <laughs> therapies. Um, and so I wanted to talk about your 30-day detox. Yes. You do a 30-day detox on your on your Facebook page. I do. And how did you get to that? And I see that it has grown. I think I was oh, in the first one when it was just a few. And yes. now it's like, boom. Oh, it's almost at 8,000 people in that group now. Okay. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> Other than it. it speaks to the, that's yeah, what I, it the speaks need. to the need. And mm-hmm. um, it is an integrative approach that speaks to the soul, mind, mind and body of individuals. It just gives them 30 days mm-hmm. of focus. Okay. Like reconnecting to the spirit, to okay. the soul, cleansing, drinking water, 30 minutes a day doing some type of movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first 30 minutes of the day, not having that phone in your hand. Absolutely. Last 30 minutes, not having that phone. And so it, it, it has about eight tips 
for you to engage in over the 30 days. It's really just designed to realign yourself spiritually, mentally. There's an affirmation that you get every day. Um, And um, I have suggested songs on the list. Um, They range from go-go to rock to gospel to hip-hop to whatever. Because I believe that music is healing. It is. And it cannot be just restricted to one you know, genre of music. So it is a holistic healing experience. And I put it out there because I wanted to do it for myself. Right. And somebody else said, I want to join. And next thing I know, I created the group and it's now just grown to like a huge, huge thing. So it's really That's exciting. amazing. So can yeah. you give us maybe like four tips? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, one is, of course, to limit the electromagnetic waves that Mm -hmm. you're exposed to Mm -hmm. at night Mm -hmm. before you want to go to rest. So you need to deprogram yourself Mm -hmm. and allow yourself the same way you do for baby. You give Mm -hmm. them their bath, Mm -hmm. you play a little music, you rub them down with lotion, Mm -hmm. let them sit for a while. We get away from that as adults and we're on the phone. We have the TV going. There are some that now can't even sleep without the TV being on. And so you're just getting this stimulus all night long. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things is to kind of wean yourself back. Mm-hmm. Start with 10 minutes before bed and then take it to 20, then 30. And hopefully you can get up to an hour or two yeah. where you have this time of stillness, where you're drinking tea, where you're listening to some relaxing music, mm-hmm. where you are meditating mm-hmm. and journaling about your day rather than taking in all of these distractions. So that's one. Another. Can I can I piggyback off yes. of that? And I go even further because I'm extra. Uh-huh. I turn off the Wi-Fi at night Oh, because the body doesn't heal the body that, heals at night the body yes. regenerates restores and I have a, I did a whole show on like is your Wi-Fi making you sick ah. and so basically when you when you sleep at night especially if you have your phone by your right head there. the rays are coming in so you're not able to sleep That's so good. the melatonin is what makes you sleep when you look at your phone it's a blue light yes. so you'll see now Apple and some other ones they have like a yellow amber hue mm-hmm. that comes on at night that helps yeah um, but it still blocks the melatonin from from coming. It's a hormone that oh, yeah. comes into your body, and that helps you sleep. Yes. And then when the when the melatonin kicks in, is when the body starts to restore, regenerate, renew, and, and everything. The cells do everything has their own little um, thing that they have to do. Right. And everybody's working in yeah, the body. Yeah, everybody's at working, night. and yeah. it only happens from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yeah. It only happens, and then it only happens if your belly is is empty. Mm. So if not if you're if you're still digesting food which is the takes the most energy out of your body is not happening. Right. So then you wake up the next day and then the next day and then the next day and that's why you're stressed and out, you're brain stressed fog out. and then So, yes. turning off the Wi-Fi, yes. I used to have it on a timer. The timer don't work. I do it with my hand. I'm gonna start doing that. And then that. in the morning, I don't even turn it on until I come home from work cuz I'm not at work cut my electricity bill down too and then my daughter's head was on the other side of the entertainment center from the living room Mm -hmm. and so she was getting headaches uh, yeah yeah so I'm turn gonna it start off. doing that. Do that. I, I didn't know about that. Yeah, we got five minutes. Okay, so let's do one more tip. Okay, one more is yeah. having a morning ritual. Okay, um, waking up before you have to wake up. 
to mm. really center yourself, mm-hmm. to, to give your gratitude, to, mm-hmm. I say move, mm-hmm. get some dancing, yoga, whatever it is, move that body, yeah. um, and get yourself centered and set intention on what you want this day to be. Because the day is going to be however you envision it to right. be. You know, and so just that small practice of just waking up a few minutes. We like to push that snooze button yeah. and wait to that last second, but just that few minutes earlier mm-hmm. to uh, create that atmosphere, what you want your day to be is powerful. Right. And the energy, everything is energy. Everything. So that's why we're talking about like even Wi-Fi or electromagnetic frequency. That's still an energy. Energy. And so if you mm-hmm. wake up and have a good high vibrate high like they say then you'll attract more of that absolutely Um, I have one more question and then we'll close okay what you think about Kanye (laughs) (laughs) so I um, believe that uh, the church has done a horrible thing by just judging oh, this guy. Uh-huh. So and is being so critical. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that there are other people creating music and we don't know what they believe. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. So and I feel that he represents what we talked about before. The authenticity is what draws mm-hmm. young people. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter if you are perfect. If you're doing everything perfectly, right? You are drawing people because your authenticity. I do believe that you know, as mentioned, there there are some mental health things that. that that need to be addressed. Absolutely. You know, that that are um, conflicting what is happening. Right. Yeah, but but overall, I, I just believe that everybody has their own path and journey, and we just got to respect. I believe that, too. Everybody's they were journey. tearing them up on the radio this morning, and yeah. I was just like, hmm, I definitely think the mental issues. Absolutely. Um, But... That's his path. I need That's to worry about my path. We got so much like, focus on like what everybody else. The little is doing. girl on the internet says worry about yourself. <laughs> so I'm worrying about myself. That's what I'm doing too. So you have we have two minutes. Okay. And so you are going to be taking on I the am. helm of this huge, amazing I'm ship. I'm excited about that. So what is like the first thing that you want to uh, you know, bring during the time yeah like the first initiative or whatever you want to bring so I've been uh, instructed by all of my mentors that the first year is really about orientation and connecting you know when you bring in new leadership Mm -hmm. so I'm not making any major changes off the bat but I'm really excited about reconnecting to our community okay gentrification has shifted our whole community so I'm really interested in reconnecting and figuring out how to reinvigorate the young people and um, empower that component of the church again so I'm excited about it well I wish you the best 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 of everything yes, it's going to be amazing so i plan to come yes, you know i through. i do come sometimes but yes. i plan to be more regular because yes. i needed to understand the the christology versus the follower of Absolutely. jesus and it made sense to me yes so i i appreciate that i hope that you know anybody else out there appreciates that too so now where can we find you onika wilson brown dot com yes okay. that's my website i so, have facebook pages as well um um, Reverend Anika Wilson Brown PhD is my page that they can like and okay. see PhD. what I'm up to. Hey, hey, I just finished that. She just finished it. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks so much. Congratulations. So yes. I just want to thank you for coming. Thank you for your yes to yes, be here. Um, I you know, anytime you want to come back, because I feel like we just have some more to talk about. I know, about. we got a lot more. Come on back anytime. <laughs> and for those of you who joined us on our live, thank you so much. And feel free to reach out to Dr. Uh, Wilson Brown anytime yes. on all of her socials. Yes. And thank you again for joining us in the sanctuary. If you haven't, please pick up my book, From Jersey to Me, The Awakening and Healing of a Goddess. 
wendycherry.com forward slash book. And we talk about all these things in the book. So we will see you next time in the sanctuary. Peace. Peace. listening to the sanctuary please follow us at awaken and heal on instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution